Today's issue, Stanford. This is the Henry George Program. I'm Mark Molino. This is a program with conversations and interviews loosely about the economics of Henry George, the 19th century journalist and economist, etc., etc. Uh, today, it's actually fairly explicitly about him. We have Sarah Thomas on from KZSU, Stanford, a student of philosophy, a Catholic who has a part in a conversation we have about the Catholic Church and Henry George and the many, many controversies that happen between them, in part leading Henry George to write a book about it, kind of a back and forth with the Pope, as it were. I'll just uh, cut it into the thick of things in the meantime. Thank you for being here, Sarah Thomas. Thank you. So I guess one thing that maybe this first came up, uh, Pope Francis. Yes. A lot of a lot of people, and, and I think you yourself, he's treated with a lot of skepticism. And can, can you t- speak about this at all? Well, first of all, Pope Francis is a Jesuit. Do you have any idea what that means? Or- uh, one, no. And no, two, okay. uh, why don't you go into uh, what, it, what it means? So if there's a Catholic-Republican alliance, the Jesuits are the Catholic-Democratic Party alliance, if that makes any sense. Are they both like just as eligible to rise to the top of the hierarchy? Sure, yeah. I mean, that's what we see now with Francis. I guess, it, yeah. yeah. Well- um, so basically, the problem, or the problem that... Orthodox Catholics see with the Jesuits is that they focus too much on helping the poor and um, like stereotypically liberal issues over advancing Catholic principles of sexual morality and you know family marriage things like that is and it? so often they'll either completely disagree with Catholic teaching on like sexual ethics and marriage um, or they'll just never talk about it and focus only on other things, such as the preferential option for the poor, which is kind of what Francis has been doing. So people take issue with that. There's a certain assumption that people only have so much time and energy that people can't... Can't you have know, it all. Can't or, have it all? Yeah, I mean... Um, I think so, yeah. And also just, there's also the um, alliances with the parties, of course. That's mainly what we see in America. I think across the world, it's probably different. So, I mean, is is this like the first time someone who has been so liberal has ever risen to the to the top of the Catholic Church? Yeah, because there was Benedict before that. And I mean, yeah, Benedict was John Paul II. He were very, I very feel like, orthodox, I'd say. Yeah, John Paul II. I think he 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 found he found fans from across the spectrum mm-hmm. uh, for a kind oh, of yeah. finding, I guess, something of a of a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason we brought this up is. Uh, you know, we were talking about the history of, of Henry George and the Catholic Church. Henry George's, uh, you know, uh, you know, school of thought about economics, very, very popular with the Catholics, uh, mostly Irish immigrants of New York mm-hmm. City back in the 1880s. Uh, it was it served the biggest uh, kind of uh, danger to Tammany Hall. You know, oh. because the Irish people, that was a major voting block. Uh, and he had, you know, a few colleagues. There was uh, one, uh, Father uh, Edward McGlynn, yes. a very popular uh, priest in uh, in uh, New York City, who, because he uh, basically expounded the justice of the Henry George system, he was excommunicated from the church in uh, 1887. Uh, he was. The, he was just a priest. He wasn't a bishop or anything. No, no, no. So the local archbishop, mm-hmm. one uh, a, a Michael Corrigan, uh, there was some communication between the Pope and, and Archbishop Corrigan, in which the Pope said this was a contumacious disobedience, wow. and he said this is an act of rebellion against one of your subjects. <laughs> uh, and yeah, well, and yeah, they just basically uh, said for saying that there is not an inviolate right to property in land mm-hmm. and that taxing it uh, is considered basically against God's will, uh, saying that there should be a tax on land was grounds for uh, <laughs> excommunication. Well, it goes against, because um, like churches would be taxed, right? That's the issue. Uh, not, I mean, you can always give, I mean, that's kind of a municipal issue. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's not really a major part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. saying that you can't give subsidies on a per-need basis, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's that's certainly not the main target. But uh, it was really, uh, at that point, the uh, church, I think, really had no really solid grounding on what is uh, the essential rights of property and... 
what you know, what does the church believe? And that's why in 1891, Pope Leo XIII, he offered the rerum novarum, that is the condition of labor. Of revolutionary change in Latin. Yeah, and this is another thing that can be interpreted as a liberal document. He, uh, it, it, it kind of says, hey, things aren't great. Uh, let's talk about, you know, what is right and let's talk about what can be fixed. Uh, and what did the Pope say? The Pope said, uh, it's not right for labor to be exploited. And he said that labor should, you know, you should prevent overwork. You should stop women and children from working. Uh, you should promote land ownership by all classes. And it was pro-unions. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I would say, like, right now, like, I mean, people that you know are probably not very pro-union. Right, but I mean, I I feel like this document is just about um, advancing restricted capitalism. I mean, that's exactly, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what the the response is. So Henry George, uh, soon after, wrote a book-length response, Mm -hmm. also called The Condition of Labor, uh, an open letter to Pope Leo XIII, uh, which said basically exactly as much. Uh, Really what he said is the responses to this are not actually finding out what true justice is to remedy what creates poverty. It is not really addressing what creates the essential cause of poverty. Uh, Instead, it says, let's ameliorate poverty with charity. He says that when you elevate wages above what people can pay, it's really a form of charity. Mm -hmm. And he says, when you substitute justice with charity, you know, it, it's it's never going to be an actual response for it. Uh, it it's, it's going to, it makes explicit assumptions that there always is going to be rich and poor and that there's obligations from the rich to the poor instead of a world where you really can end the idea of there being mm-hmm. poor. That reminds me of the statement, the poor will always be with us. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I, so I guess to go back into your personal experience, mm-hmm. uh, insofar as you, know, you went to a Catholic school, would you say a you know, majority of people just attend to align with you know, Republican dogma in that sense? Or? I think so, yes. And then there were definitely some closet liberals who didn't reveal themselves, their liberalism to me until the last day of school, <laughs> so <laughs> including I mean, one of my best friends. So, 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 <laughs> So the interesting thing, it goes back in here about like natural rights of property. Yes. Because, uh, I mean, some people, I mean, communists have like said like, oh, Jesus was really a communist. You know, yeah, we shall live in, we all should live Jesus in. Jesus was a socialist. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and the Pope said, no, no way. Uh, there is natural rights. You are, you own yourself. Mm-hmm. You own the products of your labor. Uh, and I mean, and then he, in an in a act similar to what John Locke said, says, when you mix your industry with land, you get to own that land. Mm-hmm. And that's his explicit reason for why ownership of land is actually a uh, is actually one of, of God's will. I mean, do you well, think there was um, God's divine command to, for humans to be stewards of creation? So I wonder if that plays into it. Uh, can you speak more about where, where, how it's that's taught? It's in Genesis. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then that's the thing, too, of kind of yeah, the mosaic. Uh, there is right. – well, one thing that that, uh, that uh, George brings up is in the mosaic law, mm-hmm. there was the idea of the jubilee. Uh, so if, of all the people, of all the children, land was, was basically given up equally to all of the people. And then after 50 years, things tend to kind of destabilize. Hmm. And you call it jubilee. And it goes back to normal. <laughs> and that's a thing they did every 50 years to make sure that no one would effectively be landless. And uh, But that's no more. No, no I mean, that's not, not, not quite. I mean, look mm-hmm. around you. That's That doesn't quite happen. But that is, I mean, I guess this is an idea of when people look at religious teachings and look at, I guess, everything from Mosaic Law mm-hmm. to the teachings of Christ, do people really try to form a coherent a package of everything, or do you think that people tend to pick and choose what they like and then ign- just simply ignore what they don't like? How, how do you feel that works? I think people tend to do the latter, pick what they like, ignore what they don't like. I remember when I was like, when I was first young and heard the uh, the whole uh, parable of, 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 of Jesus, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through the head <laughs> of a needle than a rich man to, co- to go into heaven. And I thought, like, wow, people aren't talking about this much. And yeah. how does that how does that respond to kind of uh, yeah the the Republican uh, you know dogma? dogma. Yeah. Well, I think he wasn't saying it was a crime to be rich. It was just that um, if you elevate your riches above following me, that's the problem. 
but I mean, he did ask the man to give up everything. He kind of, but I think yeah. that was partly because of the man's like attitude towards the riches, not because of the riches themselves. <laughs> well, I, I, so I, worshiping them over Christ. Well, one, one thing that's that's brought up in this response by Henry, Henry George is the idea that that poverty. Uh, it was, it was the Pope said poverty is no disgrace, and it was said, mm-hmm. like poverty is no disgrace. He says poverty really is a disgrace, and a lot of Jesus' teachings are not really about the suffering of the poor mm-hmm. as much as how it, you know, basically violates the dignity of those who are rich because it's yeah, and sp- spiritual poverty is also very much addressed there. And I think that's exactly what it's saying that mm-hmm. when you just by the fact that you kind of cosign into mm-hmm. a system in which. Uh, you know, which some people have immense privileges and really cause others to suffer. This causes spiritual poverty mm-hmm. in the in in the rich, and I, I think this is a message which is very hard not to read. Mm-hmm. And and I guess you talk about natural rights and how society should function, and just the idea of 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 fair return uh, and saying like you're entitled to your own labor, but this is this doesn't really explain a lot of you know, the kind of returns to, you know, kind of aristocratic, uh, you know, feudal lander. I think the problem with having a unified system, like what George proposes is that, um, where does the, where do the other Catholic teachings go? So what do you say? How would you still advance those? When you say the other Catholic teachings, what what comes to mind Um, when you say that? The social teachings mostly about family and marriage. Because I think those are also central to um, having a, like a holistic Catholic worldview. Yeah, so I, the the Pope, he, he numbers all the parts in his condition of labor. One of them is uh, 14 and kind of goes into the duties of a father to mm-hmm. supply for his family. Says kind of, you know, every person must labor. This is the result of original sin. You know, people mm-hmm. have to work. Nothing really comes for free. Uh, and, you know, it's important that people actually, you know, have to work and care for their family and then try to, Basically, get land to make their mm-hmm. you know, their, their family uh, to to have them thrive. Uh, and you know, I guess the other question is: Is this incompatible with the idea? What if a person doesn't have to work for a living? If a person has an inheritance, a trust fund, and mm-hmm. never has to work, isn't that a violation of 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 the Catholic teaching? In the encyclical, or, or just just in general, the idea that you know there is an obligation to work. For, is that Catholic teaching? Well, that's I, I guess in the encyclical. I that's uh, the thing too. I don't well, really know exactly. Yeah. Protestant. Yeah, <laughs> I don't actually. <laughs> I don't know exactly when stuff is like retconned and changed. Like, what, what? did Christ say? Do we have to work? Um, Calling Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I think I I think all he wants is for us to follow him and go to heaven, right? Well, there's a. I mean, that's a big. I mean, difference. that's been disputed, but. I think well, and that's the thing of like who really follows who. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tolstoy, who yeah. you know famously, you know, has a deep avi- abiding faith in in Christianity, did not really buy any of the teachings of salvation of Saint Paul. He really oh, wow. only believed the Sermon on the Mount part of huh. of Jesus, which I guess you could the make. blessed are the all that exactly. Yeah, okay. So. Huh. And I guess that's that's the question. I mean, everybody has to kind of form their own image of, mm-hmm. of what they take and everything. But it kind of sounds, yeah. you know, the what about a or something. Is that kind of the thing? Is the Catholic Church whatever anybody wants it to be? It makes it sound like it's it's multifaceted and really anybody can look at it and kind of make it their kind of of church. And it, can, it can give them their kind of message. Or, right, is, or, think, or do you yeah. think there's things that everyone agrees on? Or is that not really exist? I think everyone probably agrees on the principle that of equal human dignity. I think that that is much more compelling under theism than without a God. Yeah, I yeah. mean, which is an interesting thing to bring up is uh, in a different uh, writing by George about mm-hmm. the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church never condemned slavery. The Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, never said slavery was wrong. It never said anything of the sort. Are it you said, sure? Uh, yeah, that's surprising. Well, I mean, I, I at least know that this uh. is this is what the essay was written. This was an essay that written in uh, Henry George's newspaper, The Standard. Yeah. Uh, it was the the Church itself kind of swore it off, saying this is a civil law issue. Mm-hmm. This is a matter of right. civil government. This is really not the matter of the church. 200 years ago, though, so I feel like if that was happening today, if that were happening today, Francis would definitely have taken a different approach. 
And I think that is so, that is a kind of major yeah. part of, I guess, the role of how Catholics view the church. Mm-hmm. Is it about how you live your life or is it only about the elevation of the soul? Uh, George here says that, you know, the the church says, thou shall not kill, thou shall mm-hmm. not steal. But if those it, are kind of civil issues. But if the, if the law is saying mm-hmm. it's OK if you steal in this way, if the law <laughs> is saying it's OK if you kill in this oh, way. Oh, yeah. Well, the, I think the church teaches that we need to elevate the church's moral and spiritual law over civil law. Yeah. And I but and I think which at, is the, why we see a lot of civil disobedience. I guess that's the, the phrase I mean, among Catholics. George questions whether this is a major reason why there is declining participation in religion mm. in this time. Is the fact? Oh wow! Even two hundred years ago. Well, this is eighteen ninety one. He's writing that. Yeah. What well, he's saying that people say like, oh, the church is like saying, oh, you shall suffer through injustice in this world mm-hmm. in order to you know experience salvation in the next world. Does the church have nothing to say about justice? in this world and he's saying if you have well, if people live these you know short precious lives on, on earth and the church says there's nothing that we have an obligation to do to make it better people generally don't see that as as right well there have been kind of catholic charities throughout the years and catholic charities itself is a huge organization so was that not around during well, george's time well this whole thing it's, a, it's i mean the thing i was talking about earlier yeah. he says that this entire thing is really about the obligation of the rich to participate in charity mm, okay. instead of instead of basically remedying the social man-made wrongs to prevent the rich from even having to but the church doesn't have the power to do that remedy remedying the man-made wrongs uh, but I guess That's the question is the if you are a believer in the church at all, mm-hmm. do you have the right to participate in your government to say let's let's make our world better sure. in the in the case of Edward McGlynn, he says <laughs> let's put a civil let's put a, yeah. a tax on land mm-hmm. and he was excommunicated right <laughs> this was treated much as in you know but how, did the did the church have a teaching on that in eighteen eighty six before well, it, the encyclical I, I think the encyclical sure. was really the thing that made it made it canon I'm and, just surprised and, that they excommunicated him without a precedent if they didn't even have a clear statement it made it made archbishop place. corgan incredibly unpopular yeah. it was considered a, a incredible scandal at the time hmm. so one of the, the first things uh, number five in the encyclical uh what is bought with rightful property becomes rightful property mm-hmm. and if you think about this just 30 years before you could make rightful property you work at your you know bakery mm-hmm. and then you go out and you buy a slave that's <laughs> Is, and then the church is explicitly saying that is rightful property. And this is something that is I, – I don't know if that really seems coherent with any kind of message of, of, of right and wrong in that sense. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it really is more of a kind of you know, GOP, profitarian kind of aspect. Yeah, of saying, what were the Protestant churches saying at the time? Well, the Protestant it, churches it, are by nature more distributed. Yeah. Uh, I mean – I guess he he does mention a bit about the Anglican Church, but the Anglican mm-hmm. Church is Protestant-ish. Okay. Uh, I mean, I will say this. I am not particularly knowledgeable about all sorts of ins and outs. I mean, uh, what religion I have is very much uh, disorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so to go back to your personal experience, so do you think when people in the Catholic school, you know, it's, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense when people have you know, uh, conservative sexual politics in this sense. But how does that have to do with economic politics? Let, let's right. divorce that so, entirely and talk extremely um, about how people feel about economics. So I just read an article called The Spirit of Democratic Capitalism, and it was about Michael Novak's book from the 70s, which is considered a classic in um, Catholic approaches to economics that stay true to Catholic social teaching. And so this article was critiquing it because Michael Novak put too much trust in capitalism and didn't consider how the dynamics of capitalism can be hostile to preserving um, Catholic sexual ethics. So basically, um, his argument is that dynamic markets lead to dynamic liberties in all areas of life. It's hard to get away from these uh, sexual issues. Yeah. They're just just so so central. Yeah. Well, what's the mechanism there? When you have markets that 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 change much, then people just 
can't people can buy everything they want. Yeah. <laughs> on I, I I think the problem is that um they the Catholics want liberty, but they also don't. In, in what's when you say liberty, what kind of liberty? Religious liberty. So I mean they 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 <laughs> the Catholic Church has always wanted an independent status within within government. Sure, and they just want um their members to practice their beliefs and not be persecuted. Yeah. How it is inhumane inhumane to forsake the dynamism of capitalism, but it is, it is also inhumane to think that quality is sufficient. So we need to direct our attention towards um, looking at the moral limits of capitalism. So, I mean, I get, is this saying that unfettered laissez-faire capitalism yeah. is, it's not self-regulating, in mm-hmm. other words. But I guess there's a big... And it doesn't service the common good. But what is that common good? Because Catholics would say that it's getting reaching God, salvation... Yeah. Growing in holiness. I mean, you kind of look at maybe a false dichotomy here mm-hmm. of you have one of two things. You have unfettered <laughs> capitalism yeah. or you have no private property. And that's, I, I don't think... Must we use that, though? That model? Well, that's kind of what it's saying. It's yeah. saying that, I mean, because in here, uh, the the church was saying there shouldn't be unfettered capitalism. If mm-hmm. you employ somebody, there are actually obligations of an employer. An employer must not maltreat their employees. Mm-hmm. There is a right of the laborer to get unemployment. There is a right of a laborer to ma- to demand a fair wage. There is a right of an, of, of an employee to uh, to be treated well. Mm-hmm. And these are things that are put on top of capitalism. It says that there should be a right of unionization to back this up. And this is very much not said in unfettered, unfettered capitalism, but it's said on top of that, but there is a private property to your labor and also land and also anything else up to slaves. Uh, so it's kind of a weird pick and choose. It kind of says we can have what Henry George thought was at the basis of poverty, which is private property, natural resources. Mm-hmm. Let's keep that. But let's, on top of it, <laughs> tweak it and then make, you know, make ways to make it fairer. And he, he makes an analogy at one point. It's like saying if a person's a runaway slave and if they are to steal a horse to get away, is that safe? Is, is that fair? And he says, yeah, no one would say it's unfair for a runaway slave to steal a horse, but it doesn't mean that stealing horses is right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, his, that's his point there. Cogent point. Yeah, and I, I guess that's the, the question of, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say, um, y- you know, I think – in the modern world where, uh, you know, a lot of people who are into the ideas of Henry George are often come at it from a secular standpoint, not to say that there aren't uh, lots of Catholics and Protestants and people of other religions, but one major thing I'm, I'm getting from Sarah is that, you know, the point is to streamline all of our life's activities for getting into heaven. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, the, the point of the earth is to, be as productive as possible so we can get as many you know that's that's our key performance indicator souls into heaven you know maximize that number and everything everything's going uh well and i you know i I think about that in relation to poverty uh mother Teresa, and i don't know you know i'm not an expert in mother Teresa, but i've heard some uh, criticism that i I won't claim to you know have the, the answer on but she was basically criticized because of these places that she, I guess, started or ran in some respect where the point really was to get people who were sick or dying in there, at least this is how the criticism goes, uh, to get people in those places um, and not really to necessarily cure them, but to make sure, not cure their bodies at least, but uh, cure their souls in a sense and, and, and get them into heaven. So do you think that, mm, is that, yeah. you know, you could see how a, a, a non-religious person would find that um, problematic, mm-hmm, but sure. uh, do, do you think it's the, it's that same kind of thinking that, uh, you know, when you're optimizing for souls in heaven, that from a non-religious perspective, that could, that could be perceived kind of like what Mark was talking about, about, right. uh, yeah, do, do we have a responsibility to bodies here on the planet now and their suffering now, well, at least promise, in comparison yeah. to their, the, their salvation of their souls and yeah. the ever after? The promise is that uh, the glories in heaven will be will compensate for any hardship on earth, right? And so we're inclined to care for our spiritual ills over our bodily ills so we can get to heaven and experience that glory, right? Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Catholic Church has changed with respect to caring for the poor and um, like justice in general, but I guess at the time it wasn't like that. So I guess the, the, all the rules, the rules for you do these things mm-hmm. and your soul is is saved. I mean, some people would say like... Uh, good works. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm actually, yeah, the Protestants had a different approach. We can mention that later, but yeah. yeah. But, but I guess the question is like, is it not thought like, you know, these things exist and it's it's important that they also do good things. It's not really... These things? I mean, also like, I mean, like just kind of the... F- the kind of, I guess, leaps of faith you have, and then also mm-hmm. the acts. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess like how much, I mean, I guess I know things like Jack tr- uh, Chick tracks mm-hmm. uh, of like kind of say like, oh, you could be a, you know, a, a murderer but as long as you kind of, you know, you know, have your faith. It doesn't matter what you do. Like absolutely. <laughs> that sounds like you, Martin Luther to me. <laughs> you can do the worst things on earth, but like it, it doesn't matter because yeah. it's all about faith. I mean, the Catholic Church is, is, is that more Martin Luther. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the less. Catholic Church is very much into faith and works. Okay, and, but, but I mean, the works, yeah, the works, at least across the board, try to make the world better, right? right? I mean, there's right. no such thing as you should do this thing. It's one of those rules. You're mm-hmm. getting to heaven. But it makes things worse. They, they ne- there's no way such thing as a rule that like is a bad rule, but we no. got to follow it. Which is like saying, why shouldn't all the rules make the make the world better? I mean, it's 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 a bit consequentialist, is uh-huh. what I'm getting at. It seems like a lot of the works are actually about the consequences of what they affect, um, as opposed to just kind of being something you do for the good of itself. And well, then, that's but, what happens when you don't have faith. But I mean, I, if you do have faith, the works are an expression of that faith, and they're done out of love. <laughs> like you actually do care about the act, not just the, the consequence, which would be helping you get to heaven. And I, I guess the well, what if you have to do things that would, in and of themselves, might be considered bad, but if it helped get more people into heaven, then it would be considered good. In other words, remove your personal interest in getting into heaven from the equation. Well, the Inquisition and, is it good to torture people if you're saving their souls? <laughs> I can't speak to that. Yeah, <laughs> before my time and yours. Yeah, but I think it's it's definitely the modern view of the church. Mm-hmm. It it's taken what seems to be a pretty explicit anti-torture thing. Right, they they sure. don't really do torture. They don't do Death holy wars yeah. any, any, yeah, anymore. Yeah, so I'm glad and, for that. And I think they're kind of saying, I mean, I think they try to look for, and this is a major thing that George touches mm-hmm. on. He says the, the encyclical is anti-socialistic mm-hmm. and uh, and he defines a big difference between socialism and the single tax solution of Henry right. George. Socialism is saying that the world is going to be a bad place unless mankind artificially changes it. Sure. And that is kind of one of the general things. Like People need to artificially change the world to make it work and be fair. Mm-hmm. He is saying that's not the way he views the world. He says there are natural laws. There are natural laws of fairness. Natural law. That's a Catholic thing. Well, it's also yeah. it's it's <laughs> also a classical liberal classical thing. Classical theism, yeah. Yeah. Right. But I think the I think the concept does originally come from, you know, like I am not an expert on it, but it's it's like ancient philosophy, right? right? I right. mean, almost it's like Aquinas and that sort of stuff, that's right? Ancient, but yeah, I think the Greeks probably maybe I mean, something to do with it. Let me check. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, <laughs> I there's a. I'm sure there's a there's a storied history of natural law I that has Cicero. Yeah, and then like, of course the scholastic philosophers like Aquinas were into it. Yeah, I mean, and and George himself. I mean, George himself had a kind of disorganized religiosity. Mm-hmm. He believed that he was actually you know serving God's will by aligning the way that people can live their lives with kind of natural laws of mm-hmm. of of fairness and he really believed that if you say if people work they can keep what they what they work for but people can't you know claim unnatural privileges and then basically steal at people's labor for that I'm just kind of confused by how you're defining natural like, where is the source, nature? But how, how do you come to that conclusion? Well, I mean, I guess, like, George and John Locke, and, I mean, it looks like Jake's... It was all about God, right? I mean, okay. yeah. yeah, but I, I guess... That's the way I understood it was, it, it was God sort of like... Yeah, I mean... Uh, jo- I mean how jo- much so? <laughs> I mean, so George starts his open letter with the idea that, you know, we start with a few uh, assumptions. The, right. as- the assumptions we start with is that, you know, all people are equal creatures of the creator. Okay, yeah, that's and the, fair. And the creator, you yeah. know, basically put us down in a world <laughs> where we, you know, have, you know, a bounty open to us. We can sure. use the bounty. We can, and I mean, this is kind of, it's saying that we have inherent rights and dignity mm-hmm. in just being 
you know, put here. Because we're metaphysically equal. Yes, to the creator. Well, ex- sure. Exactly, and and part of this is we can all use the land around us. It belongs mm-hmm. to us all, but we, you know, we don't have to actually keep everything common. It's not like we all have to like live in the same houses. Um, we could, yeah. we could actually separate out land that we actually administer ourselves, but we have to preserve the condition of equality of benefit in any case. So if I say I'm going to, you know, there's an analogy says like if a person has, uh, you know, th- you know, three children mm-hmm. and, you know, they all, you know, uh, you're splitting up your lands between them. So, and then one takes them all and says, okay, I'm going to take all this land and my two you know, brothers and they can work for me <laughs> <laughs> and they can, and it means, oh, we all get the land. Mm-hmm. And this is something that uh, the Pope said in this. It says that there is no inequity because everyone gets the benefit of the land. Some people own it. Some people work to use it. Mm-hmm. And George says, this is insane. This is insane saying it's equal to own it yeah. and make other people <laughs> work for you or to work for them. That's equal. Yeah. And he says that's not equal benefit. And I think that is what George is saying is a natural you know, right, it's mm-hmm. a natural right to to deserve the equal benefit of what is created by nature for man and not created by man for himself. I think that's, and that's that's the religiosity that kind of comes from that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people come from a secular place, but there is certainly some sort of be- idealism in saying, you know, I don't really, I'm maybe I don't call myself a theist, mm-hmm. but I believe right and wrong sure, exist. Yeah. Which is very different than someone who doesn't even believe that, which I feel is very foreign to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to put uh, Sarah on the, on the spot t- too much. That's what this is for. That's what this is for. We can like, edit this out. But I, I was thinking like um, maybe it would be cool just to kind of like hear you monologue, not on necessarily anything that we've said, but just, you know, what, what do you make of all this? What are the connections that you know, as, we, as we compare these two, you know, one a religion and another like a school mm-hmm. of thought or a philosophy like – what do you think the similarities and differences are and what's interesting to you? Yeah, I mean, I think Catholic theology and George's thought both tend to generally affirm the dignity of the human person. So there's already that, but they just disagree about how to um, kind of respect that in the earthly realm, political realm. So, so yeah. economists, if they, if like, you know, if an economist would disagree on, like, mm-hmm. and they'll crunch some numbers, make some models. Yeah. I mean, they, that's the reason that they base their disagreement. At uh-huh. least, at least how, that's how they back right. it up. How does the Catholic Church, you know. <laughs> we, have, we have Aquinas. But yeah, I mean, the Catholic Church relies on reason and revelation. Those yeah. Those are the two big things. So I guess what, what do you personally feel is like the right way that someone, like how, if you're dealing with a lot of disparate Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. some, you know, more leaning to the left, some to the right. Mm-hmm. What do, do you think you can get people on the same same page? I mean, you all, you um, know, you all are supposed to subscribe to the same general principles, but how can you all find common ground? On economic issues? Yeah. On do econo- we need to? That's the thing. Kind of? I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the idea of living on the planet is right. that you need to kind of... Well, make- but for them, but if I understand this correctly, the point is maximizing souls into heaven. So economics yeah. is just a means to that. But, so, but that's not everything is but, what we're talking about. You're saying that if it's only about that, that's a kind of divorced from actual works on earth, which is... No, it's not. Because works, um, works with faith help you get to heaven, right? So can you do good works without faith? So or is, is, or that's what people were doing in the Middle Ages, and then Martin Luther came about. <laughs> is the so is the optimization issue? We want to get as many oh people in heaven with as little work as possible. <laughs> the problem is that you don't actually know when someone got to heaven, so that's the issue there. It's so, a mystery. So it's a technological sure. shortfall. <laughs> we just it's hard to talk. measure your progress. Yeah, this is, yeah. your holiness thermometer. And and I guess and I think that is probably what. I mean, maybe that's the thing that mm-hmm. I think Henry George finds maybe hitting his head against the wall. You see, saying it seems like there's a lot of inconsistent revelation and conclusions mm-hmm. that no one can really agree with each other. And how can we get to things? I feel if you take a few things that he says are things we all agree on, there's a dignity to the human soul. Sure. We all have equal rights to what is natural. And we, you know, uh, we can administer natural resources only as hard as we share the benefit. Mm-hmm. If you take these few principles, the economic system you come out, it's not going to include slavery. 
it's not going to include private property but and it's land. But ne- it's never happened before. So who's to say it'll be successful? Well, and that's that, also the church's thing because the church loves tradition. Yes, and and so. and that is one of the things that he uh, that he writes on here. He says that when you have a church which is, you know, that basically takes on the air of, you know, a, kind of a monarchical air. He mm-hmm. says, you know, the Archbishop of New York City <laughs> had a million dollar salary, lived in an amazing house in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, and you, you just look at the Vatican, uh, <laughs> and he says that you know that. Uh, men who live in palaces and are clothed with purple and fine linen and associate with the rich and powerful are, with rare exceptions, now as in Christ's time, the defenders of things as they are, the upholders of social injustice, mm-hmm. that to pamper the few robs, degrades, and imbrutes the many. And, I mean, there's, there is kind of an idea that there is a natural mm-hmm. conservatism with something that says, hey, we, we believe in an institution that kind of elevates an inherent kind of, you know, a, I mean, that, that's the argument, at least. Mm-hmm. That they're still stewing in riches. I mean, I guess the thing is, it's um, there is a crying them. What he, I think what he's saying is, you know, we all agree in Christ's teachings. I think mm-hmm. when you have kind of some, you know, monk out in the field who's like really yeah. ascetic and like really just kind of living the message, and that's it. That's is that per- the message, though? Well, As- I, asceticism isn't isn't exhorted in well, the Bible, and well, that's the I, problem. Well, I think the idea. I mean, it's not. I'm taking a class on this now. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's interesting to talk yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess like when I, they had to do a lot of um, kind of twisted hermeneutics to get the ascetic message out of the Bible. So w- the church fathers and things. I mean, so like Christ's teaching about kind of just giving away. Well, I, it's more than that. It's wealth. just um, living in the desert with nothing. Well, and I'm kind of yeah. self-flagellating to get to God. I guess that's the I thing guess they it, go for. Maybe there's two different words. They had to, they had to get that out of the Bible. Or it was never. Bible, it was never in they, the Bible. Yeah. I guess does John the Baptist count? Kind of. Well, I guess I there's two different things here. I guess one thing is saying that there's actual self-punishment that you need, uh-huh. and the other one is just saying, "Hey, I forgot to eat lunch today because I'm just so in this." Into the God thing. Into the God yeah. thing. And I think guess you're saying like when someone is like truly like if you like don't spend a lot of time optimizing your stock portfolio. If you don't spend a lot of time doing this, you just uh-huh. have your message. It's hard to get rich and to be really focused because, you know, it takes a lot of energy to get rich. Right. And I think he's saying if there is a certain amount of a conservative class mm-hmm. who's doing well for themselves yeah. when you're a million dollar Archbishop in 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 Manhattan. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to take chances to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You tend to say, I'm going to take some chances. I'm mostly going to protect my nice million dollar salary. Yeah. And uh, I, I will say, this is forty thousand dollars at the time, which is a million dollar in today's money. Also, times have changed so much. Like I just have a hard time seeing this whole today. Like a, a millionaire archbishop, do do those exist? I don't know. I mean, maybe there's they been a, maybe there's, there's been, been reforms. there have been a lot of changes. Yeah. I, I, I well, a million's not a lot. To- today i mean it, it is for regular people but I, I would think <laughs> okay regular people <laughs> wow <laughs> monopoly no, i mean I'm, I'm not a millionaire but yeah <laughs> that's what a millionaire Same. would say um but yeah. i'm a billionaire no i'm, I'm a trillionaire yeah um <laughs> but i think what he's saying though there is a kind of message to preserve the status quo uh-huh. the more you get people who i think you're saying they aren't really truly protecting the faith they are kind defending of, they're defending wealth, wealth. Uh-huh. you tend to get a violation of what the faith is really about I think that's fair and i mean but and i guess that's a question too when you talk about people in the catholic church are like i protect you know the you know the gospel of wealth <laughs> and like i'm going to get I don't really think re- they do that that's an evangelical thing right is which is also kind of strange like Joel Austin people yeah. like that <laughs> well i'd say like cross yeah. the board in all face people yeah. who do that but i guess people who protect saying like what we need are tax cuts for you know the, the richest and i mean yeah. so i mean when people have the economic mm-hmm. program of the gop right. from in your catholic circles mm-hmm. do you think that in that is a hindrance to really embrace maybe the parts of the gospel, such as um, the camel through the needles? Not necessarily. I think as long as these people are still um, engaging in works of mercy and charity and still like doing service to the poor, it's fine. With the right heart and intention. How and some, do, some of them do. And how do you know if it's enough is the thing. To get to heaven? Or? I, mean, I guess the thing is, it's. I mean, what George really says here is he's saying it's okay to steal as mm-hmm. long as you give back enough later. And he's saying, why don't oh. we just not steal in the first place? That's George that. is saying, why don't we just not steal? Yeah, he's saying that basically 
when you have private property in slaves uh-huh. or you have private property in, in natural resources yeah. without paying back, this is a theft uh-huh. based upon you know what he says are the basic assumptions of natural rights. And he says, like, well, instead of having slaves and then mm-hmm. saying, well, we got to be nice to our slaves. <laughs> we have slaves, but let's make sure that we don't whip them too much and we don't overwork them. Hey, why don't we just get rid of slavery? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the question. It's like, oh, you don't need to. You just need to get the right amount of charity and treat your slaves well. And he's saying, I don't buy it. Yeah. And I think that's the same question being brought up and saying, how can you be pro-slavery if you feel that acts of mercy are enough to balance it out? How do you know it's enough Yeah, balance? I think the issue was at the time this was written, um, like financial security was on people's minds, and it still is today, of course, but having slaves helped to get to that, right? Yeah, I mean, this was so, written a couple decades after it happened right. and uh, after slavery, at least in America, uh-huh. has been outlawed. But, I mean, I think, are you saying people aren't desperate? To, I mean, I think there is an economic uh, anxiety today. Right. In the same, yeah, of course. There's always been. I mean, I've heard you uh, talk not, many times yes. about how you're going to make a living after you leave uh, Stanford. <laughs> you're, uh, right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Tell us yeah, about that. I just feel like <laughs> so much of this depends on the cultural circumstance, and yeah. today it's different. Yeah, talk about like how you feel about your economic anxiety. Um, I don't think religion actually plays into it at all. Yeah. Surprisingly. But is... Yeah. Do you think you would have more time to be a good person if you didn't have to worry about oh, for sure. getting a mortgage? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's why I find these ideas attractive. I, mean, I just don't know if they'd work. Um well, that's that, work in a political sense, or work in terms po- of their basic economic like mechanisms. Political sense, yeah. In a political sense, you're saying that people so I just can't, can't see them gaining traction. Although UBI has been on people's minds, it's it's getting talked about more and more every day. Yeah, I might take a class on it next quarter. Well, that's interesting. Philosophy of UBI. <laughs> I mean, and that is one of the things too. The the Pope said number eleven is in cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, property in land, mm-hmm. and he kind of says like private property in general. He says yeah. like, well. There's one big question here, private property. Do we have all of it or none of it? And he doesn't say, you can say, you know, if you you know make a painting and keep your painting, that's good. If you own a slave, that's bad. He mm-hmm. says, nope, private property. One big thing. One big thing, private yeah, property. that's odd. Uh, and he says, it has popular opinion. I, I like your hat, Mark. Um, we should have collective property. Oh. So <laughs> I'm just, just yeah. going to take because <laughs> it's my property too i mean it would be selfish of me to not, to not give of my head uh what's funny even in you know like uh like very very like um left-wing circles like extreme left-wing like you know they even share partners because those are considered uh collective property as well which is quite bizarre right in the church you don't own your wife it may have been so at a previous time, though. Well, how do you feel about one of the answers to remedy is the Pope says women shouldn't work? I mean, it was also 120 <laughs> years ago. Women but, didn't really work anyway. But isn't that supposed <laughs> to be like, kind of like, aren't, aren't things supposed to be kind of true in general? Like, aren't things supposed to be kind of true 2,000 years ago as they are today? Because like, oh, human nature like, never changes, right? Kind um, of? I mean, right, because there's the male breadwinner and the woman who takes care of the home and the family, and that supports traditional gender roles, which supports a thriving marriage. I think I think they do work, actually. I just don't think that they're good. Like, I think there's a better way. I mean, so I just watched this, this documentary about um, Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn, huh. which are they're very close to me, uh, actually. <laughs> Um, it, I think it just came out on Netflix. It's, it's it, it was good, but uh, you know this this woman was getting abused by her husband oh. and wanted a divorce. And not only did she have to deal with him taking her to court, but the whole like Hasidic community in New York, unfortunately, went after this woman. Wow. Um, and yeah, so is it because divorce isn't sanctioned? It, one, I think, yeah, it's not sanctioned, and they, they really wanted the kids to grow up Hasidic. And yeah. you know, she was wanting to be a little bit more secular, obviously, because that system of being wasn't working too well. A for wife her. that you know that's married off when she's like eighteen years old yeah. and like abused. She, you know, you start to see through that the veneer and say, hey, right. this, this isn't actually like a good system, at least for me. But, yeah, people marrying the wrong people is a problem. And I think the church, the church is, 
enthusiastic message about marriage can often lead to that. I mean, some. I mean, some and people. The, yeah. I mean, I have made, I guess, feminist critiques of mm-hmm. of if propping up the patriarchy in senses. I mean, do you have any ideas about like how? I mean, this is kind of getting off topic for the economic <laughs> yeah. things. I don't know. This is probably too much. I mean, this is, yeah. But it's yeah. related though, because I mean, like agricultural societies, they you know, in order to work, they they had to have this like. Like a, there had to be a kind of a religious fervor for the family unit, right? Right. So I think that's that's the sexual connection to the, the to the land issue, right? Is that, um, you know, how are you going to have enough people to work the land? Well, you know, and how are you not going to have conflict? Well, you need to have monogamous relationships where the these two people are, you know, reproducing like crazy so that there's little children to, to work the fields, mm. right? So. Um, I, I almost the, feel the like slaves. the land tenure system has implications for, you know, the, the ideology on families and vice versa. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too. When you have slaves, you know, yeah. people, you tend to, like, treat people like, like they're cows you're breeding mm-hmm. instead of, like, real human beings who really have the right of having families. And, you know, families are split up under under slavery. Uh, but, I mean, I, and people have always made, like, critiques of mm-hmm. just saying that, you know, when you look at ancient laws of religion, it's really about good rules of thumb for running a clean society that will thrive. You mm-hmm. know, when you say, you know, go, don't go around and, you know, sleep around too much. It's all about saying, you know, you want to make sure that you have solid lines of children that you care about. So mm-hmm. then you'll have fathers who care more about the well-being of their offspring. Sure. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's kind of a very uh, consequence. Okay, so here's a question of like looking at things that maybe even the people who, you know, we're, we're calling, I was taking the GOP dogma, mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. And I mean, at the time, George definitely agreed that the enemy of really natural rights is forcible communism. Mm-hmm. If you're saying that you can take, you know, someone and force them to do anything, saying, yeah. hey, you need to work the labor camps in Siberia. Course, yeah. That's what it says. Uh, I think the church is just concerned it would get to that. What is the mechanism of saying, as if you don't have private property in slaves or land, mm-hmm you're going to somehow you know basically force people to labor under the state. I I don't I don't really see that as being it seems like a very uh, you know kind of shaky line of reasoning. I think what he's saying actually strengthens it. If you don't if you preserve the natural rights of self-ownership mm-hmm. and the natural rights to use natural opportunities and mm-hmm. resources, you're actually going to strengthen the ability to keep uh, your uh, your own work and not yeah. have it be taken by <laughs> that's that's the argument at least. I mean, he says that you can imagine you know voluntary communism being done by people. If you have like an all encompassing love and faith for each other, people can voluntarily form communes, but they're hard to pull off. Right. And he says you know, and this could only happen you know through first a state of justice. He says before a man can be a saint, he must be an honest man. And I think, I mean, I think it's true. I think saying that if you are going to be a person who has, who goes above and beyond the basic obligations of being a decent human being. Mm-hmm. To but get, what are those obligations? And, and like, what is justice? Because there are different approaches from secular and Catholic perspectives. And I, I think that, that's, so that's, that, the issue, that, yeah. that's, the, that's the big question. That's a million yeah. dollar question. And I guess the, with the people in the church, when you say it's important to become holy mm-hmm. and to save your soul, but you have to be a good person and show justice first do you think they really have an idea of justice and do you think any of them well justice is living like christ right christ was just and merciful i mean so we have to we have to live in imitation of him right i mean you could say he did things that maybe you know he was you know when he the feeding of the five thousand when when, yeah when he attacked the money lenders or something like that was that was that just or you could say that he was actually you know doing an unjust action against a previously unjust action i mean he did things that were a bit he disrupted the social order the romans didn't think he was just he was they said he was actually but he was god (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, so I guess like final thoughts. Uh-huh. Do you do you think do you think there's a very ma- like mature state of like the economics thought of this, or do you think it's just something that people don't think is really of George's? Well, or... like in, well, in in your experience with uh-huh. folks you know in the Catholic Church, do you yeah. think people really have you know a very s- solid footing that rests on the foundation of things that they really hold solidly, or do you think it's something that people? Don't don't really treat as a central tenant of their 
Yeah, I don't. I think people just kind of go along with capitalism, at least in America. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing with my American Catholic friends. Yeah, uh, and any other thoughts? Uh, do you have any thoughts? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Any other thoughts? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can give you. I can give you the last word. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, so is to I guess summarize the conclusion. Uh-huh. Is your conclusion that Georgism sounds like it? It you know, might really be compatible with what you say, or you know, right, natural with, laws. With natural law, natural rights, basic human dignity. I think, but you, your major concern is the political implications. Sure. And in what? How would you define the political implications to the, in that sense? I just feel like people are weary, or not weary, wary of upending the social order to such a degree. So just just kind it's just, of yeah, it's just fear, really. Because the, the, this thing has been working not super well, but it's been working for. Which is kind of a natural yeah. Burkean conservatism. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, I was at a uh, effective altruist event in, in New York City, and there was a guy that was talking about um, what's the acronym RCT. Uh, the, the point is like uh, they're they're trying to alleviate poverty and like parts of the third world and they're giving cell phones out to people and they try to uh, basically create these like control experiments where they give, you know, they give some people cell phones and they, uh, they give them plans and then other people, they just get them the phones and, and whatnot. And, you know, that it would be nice if there was a means uh, in this country to experiment on a small scale with some of these policies uh, and, you know, actually sort of prove viability so that we could get around this issue of, yeah, but is this just another communism? <laughs> Are we going to have a revolution on our hands? Uh, you know, because, I mean, there has been Georgist experiments uh, with small-scale communities, and it's like, okay, the worst thing that can happen with communism is that, you know, you get, like, millions of people starving to death. The worst thing that happens when you get Georgism is, like, this boring little Americana like town like Arden, Delaware. Or, that's reassuring. Or, well, that's a that's a small place. I guess you talk about you know, if a real city, if the Bay Area said, let's not force people to commute four hours away to make pittance and wages and yeah. make this just this this you know a, an endless bloodbath of just people each other's necks to live. If you instead just made enough shared benefit of the land for everybody maybe people would be able to get along better. And I think that would be an experiment. I mean, you talk about Arden, Delaware wasn't a big city, never is a big city, never will be a big city. If a big city tried experiments, I think you would you would see what would it be good for the human soul if people suffered but people less? are just like you say it's it's a it's a generalized wariness of of anything um that that is different i i mean it could be like very small changes like you know the hasidic jews in new york like hey do we want to have these little corners of our beard growing out if we cut those off that could upend the whole social order so it's just like unintended consequences you're just dealing with you're not really dealing with like an an anti, like a principled anti-Georgia sentiment. You're just dealing with inertia and fear of change. Yeah. And you talk about if you're in the North in the 1820s, who were the biggest monsters to, you know, the kind of, you know, humane, you know, liberal folks in the, in the North? It was the abolitionists. They were the mad people who were going to disrupt the social order and they must be stopped. And, I mean, mm. I think... When you have a kind of natural protectionist status quo for right or wrong, you can definitely protect something. And I, if there's one thing that I'm just disgusted by all the time, it's everyone who believes that, like, well, if I was back then, I would have been the one guy who really said, oh, yeah, it's slavery. This is dumb, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, there's that you picture, that, that, that meme that circulates uh, on the Internet where, like, everyone's uh, doing the, the Heil Hitler like so what is that called i'm just having a brain fart but um yep. and he's like the one guy who's got his arms folded yeah and he's not doing it and that everybody says you know be that guy yeah um, it's that easy <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i don't know what happened to him after that picture was taken right yeah. he probably got uh at the very least very harshly reprimanded <laughs> and why because so many people are gonna fall to status quo for right or for wrong you know that's i mean there is an actual bias right status quo bias yeah I mean, and the thing is too. I don't. Th- I mean, I don't think the status quo bias is 
inherent in the Catholic Church. I think, to me... I, I think it is, with tradition. But I think it's... Do you think it's tradition, really... Tradition, tradition. <laughs> Anybody ever see Phil around the roof? Do, do you think Iconic. it's... Iconic. Do, do you think it's, like, really part of the actual fundamental doctrine and belief of the church or do you think it's part of the culture of the church is, is capitalism no is or, is this is the status quo bias do you think that's really um, a fundamental part of it or do you think it's part of the culture that could change ebb and flow and you know the I, general I, culture yeah i don't know i think i think status quo bias after the fourth century was definitely rooted in catholicism that's interesting. Because the, the early church fathers argued a lot about doctrine for the first couple centuries. Is that the Nicene Creed? Is that that and just um, like Christ's nature? Was he actually divine? Was he human? Things like that. So all yeah. part of the creed. Um, and so that those issues weren't really resolved until much later. But since then, and I guess sixteen hundred years later, we do have a strong consensus, and it's been yeah. that's been sticking. So that's the tradition. I mean, that I they think preserve. I mean, it's, I think it's worth saying that people that I think have had the strongest kind of act to, you know, change the world mm -hmm. don't really, yeah, I guess they haven't really signed on to the Nicene Creed. <laughs> They're the people who say, like, I still go back to the early church, you know, it's when things were still kind of crazy. Like who? Like Tolstoy. Oh, okay. He had a strong urge to change the world through literature or well, through just, a, I mean, like, yeah. what was he trying to do? Uh He's down the board, Georgism, uh, yeah. vegetarianism, how does, celibacy. How does, being, how does being a vegetarian change the world? Um, I guess it prevents some some deaths of some animals. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Did I just trigger you? Uh, Jake does have No, no, I, I'm not one of these people. You just triggered me. No, <laughs> no. But no, I, I say I it as a joke. Animal but... suffering is, is rather important. And oh, they yeah. I've actually been thinking about that a lot. Just for our amusement. <laughs> I'm surprised the church hasn't actually talked about that yet. Um, but I guess, like, animal consciousness is still unknowable, right? And that's kind of how we assign moral status, right? It's, I mean, it's a bit... So, it's and a, animal, the ability to feel pain, sentence. I mean, consciousness is, is pretty much unknowable, to know, yeah. like, what is... Because we can't get into their inner life. What is it like to be a bat? Right. Yeah. It's okay to enslave both of you, because I don't really know if you're sentient, and yet... You really feel anything, you know? I'm sure but, a lot I can of cry on command. That'll prove it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> no, you're just passing like the Turing test at that point, right? It's like, oh, oh you know, you're, they call it like a philosophical zombie. It's like, all right, you poke it, it cries on command. You, you know, it, it, it'll laugh when you tell a funny joke. Yeah, but like, build, do you really know what's going on inside the machine? People build dolls that cry since the 1950s, you know? Really? Yeah, you just put a little water in the back and you, just, you roll what's it. What's the point? Duh. That's a good question. Amusement? No, that's a good question. <laughs> Who uh, is owning those uphold, dolls? Upholding yeah. the pa patriarchy. Right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> any, any final thoughts or should we just close this up? Um, oh, there was something on my mind. Oh, oh get it out. Find wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I think it's, Extract it. Extract. <laughs> I think it's slowly leaving my mind, but it was there. Uh, oh, man. Oh, yes. Okay, so I was thinking about like the LDS church, the Mormons, and about how... They're super into the mission thing, like going to third world countries and spiritually mm -hmm. evangelizing. And I'm wondering how that interacts with actually caring for the people's physical needs and like needs for food and shelter and everything. Good question. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think the Catholic Church, I think they might have a similar approach, but they they do, sorry, <laughs> they do fewer missions. Catholics have and, missionaries too. Right, but I don't know if we're as ardent as the Mormons are in um, like spreading they whatever the word is. They have more pizzazz. I mean, haven't you seen the, the Book Mormons? of Mormon, the, the Broadway yeah. show? Well, when you, when you fill a ship full of aid, how uh -huh. much of the space do you use for food? How much do you use for, for Bibles? Or for Jesus, yeah, right. Yeah. But also they, they are linked, right? Like I feel like Jesus would want us to care for... Um, someone who's starving. I care for th those needs before caring for their spiritual needs. But I think if you, well, I mean, you I'm not, I'm not like a, a Christian, but like one of the things I, I thought Jesus was really saying was like, you know, love each other. And isn't right. it sort of like, you know, if you're feeling all that love, then you'll just kind of give people right. what they need physically and spiritually, like simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, is, is that kind of the prevailing view? So I it's think like, so, yeah. But it's it's not being deployed well. I mean, I think you know, when, when Tolstoy took his teachings, Tolstoy took the kingdom of heaven to be really what happens on earth. It's mm -hmm. really about bringing yeah. utopia to earth in, you know, in yeah. the long term. I think term. it's kind of excessive for people to focus so much on getting to heaven and on like being religious rather than spiritual. That's a, 
a thing that's often said. Yeah. Just following the Ten Commandments and um, some of the Beatitudes, but not actually living with faith and caring for the other, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up the show today. This is the cool. Henry George program joined by Sarah Thomas of the KZSU Music Whoa. Department. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and philosophy student here at uh, Stanford. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, this is uh, you can find previous episodes at seethecat.org. You reach out to us. Uh, we're on Twitter at the Henry George Program. Uh, just search for us. See the cat. See the cat. Yeah. Why? That's for you to find out. <laughs> Gaze issue Stanford. When you, when you see it, you'll know. <laughs>